0: Hi, my name is Jenny And hi, my name's Yuri Welcome Brew Crew, you're listening to the Adam and Eve branch of the Conscious Couple podcast Are you ready for more goodies? I
1: am, definitely mm-hmm. Each episode will delve, ponder, wander through the Bible Its characters and stories to reveal their hidden meanings We'll show how they helped us discover the true nature of our own wonderful human imagination and how it creates and shapes our life, the universe, and everything in between.
0: Our claimer, rather than a disclaimer, is that we firmly believe the Bible is not history, but an allegory, a story told as if it's true. When it describes people like James and John, amongst others, these are states of mind, states of consciousness, not actual historical people.
1: And we believe God is our awareness and consciousness and that we're all God together dreaming this strange dream into physical reality.
0: We hope these interpretations give you a confidence that helps you discover what you can do today and every day to cushion the blows that come our way.
1: Thank you everybody for sending in your questions and we're really looking forward to your wonderful mug So keep them coming. You can make contact with us on Twitter at ConsciousCuppa and via email, consciouscupper at gmail.com. You can even leave a direct message on the anchor.fm webpage.
0: And brew crew, stay tuned for your very own African Easter egg right at the end of the show. But for now, we invite you to grab a brew, take, take a, a pew, sip in, in and wake, wake up. up. What are we drinking today?
1: So today we're drinking this amazing tea that we were gifted. So it's aloe blossom and we were gifted this by a lovely couple of ladies called Chupa and Joan over there in um, Mmm.
0: This is from Forever Living Products and it's got a bit of, gosh, so many things in here. Yeah. The bits I'm liking are the cinnamon Mm. and the clove.
1: I think the, I've never even heard of aloe blossoms, so that's quite exciting.
0: hmm it's got some cardamom, the usual suspect, orange peel. But it's also got some fennel in there, and some blackberry leaf, and ginger, and cardamom. It, there's a lot going into this. Yeah. And apparently, these are about hundred pounds a bag. <laughs> so yeah, they
1: were very generously they donated. Were very
0: generously donated. We we got quite a few bags there, and it's delicious. It is really delicious. delicious. I am.
1: I must admit, I'm gonna try and make a, my own version of this that mm. isn't hundred pounds a bag. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So here's what we do. Rather than a TED Talks,
0: it's a bed talk.
1: Jenny and I are in bed, keeping it all chilled and cool and
0: relaxed. Each episode, we pick a question from the public as we take a magic minute trip in the lift of life and talk through the story as we learnt it as a kid. Then we send it through the de goop machine
1: <laughs>
0: and we'll see what we've learnt since we got muddled up way back when.
1: Then we'll put 10 minutes on the clock and share what new insights we've had since then. Finally, we'll join all these new perspectives up and see what it all means in terms of law of attraction.
0: And what do we mean by the law of attraction? This universal law that paints the picture of my life, whatever I decide to put on the brush from my mind. It's time for Magic Minute. And this week's questions, questions from the public, come from Anthony
1: And Hester. So these are both questions for Jesus. So Amphile asks, is the religion of Christianity authentic to what you preached?
0: And Hester's question to Jesus is, did you intend that your commandments and lessons be stable and unchanging throughout time? Did you hope that as societies change, your lessons would grow and adapt to fit new times? So they're both at the dinner table with Jesus. Yeah. And they've both got, they're all on either side of him. I don't know who's on the left and who's on the right. But these questions kind of tie up together, don't they?
1: Yeah. Reminds me of a book I um, read called The Shack. So I think I'm on the other side of the table. Mm. (laughs) Let's roll the dice and see who descends and ascends first.
0: Both got one. Ooh, it's a tiebreaker. One and one equals one. Should we just go up and down together? Yeah. So while we're waiting for the lift... Why do not you tell us a joke, Yuri? Since my jokes have gone from bad to worse. Oh, no.
1: We're setting a bar too high here. (laughs) So, if you asked Jesus to save you, what would he say?
0: If I asked Jesus to save me, what would he say? say? I don't know. What would he say?
1: So, do you want JPEG, GIF, PDF? What format do you want, mate? (laughs) Screenshot. Yeah. (laughs) Nice one.
0: Here's the lift. Oh, dear. Let's set the minute off, and we'll both talk about what we understood about what Jesus was preaching. Mm. I remember, and the reason I remember this is because when I was about 14, my godmother at the time, Lenore, just like the fabric conditioner, (laughs) that's how I remember her name, she took me to see Monty Python's Life of Brian. Oh, excellent. Which was hilarious. There was even a nude shot that had me really embarrassed. But what I remember that was the Sermon on the Mount, their version of the Sermon on the Mount. And there was this line where he's saying, blessed are the peacemakers. But I think they kind of interpreted it like, blessed are the dressmakers or something like that, something really ridiculous that Monty Python would do. But the Sermon on the Mount was one of the things that I remember learning in... Bible school? Yeah, Sunday school. Yeah, that was like the thing that could be absorbed as a kid. Plus the Lord's Prayer, of course. So those two in particular.
1: So let's go back down.
0: Let's go back down.
1: What did I learn as a kid? The thing that I remember most is the meek shall inherit the earth. And I was quite really happy about that because I just thought, oh, no matter what happens, I'm going to inherit the earth anyway. Yeah, And this inheritance, you know, it's like when your your parents or your grandparents die, you get left money. So yeah. I was just like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, oh, okay. I like that idea <laughs> that I'm, you know, I, I can just be poor anyway and I'm just going to get money at some point. And I think actually that that's informed an adult view of that. Mm. You don't know where things will come from.
0: Yeah.
1: All of a sudden. You'll be gifted something. You might not make the connection that you've imagined it. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think we're about to arrive back to where we began. So we're going to update all of this, what Jesus was actually preaching.
1: We're going to cover quite a few of the things that Jesus preached.
0: We're going to look at how the Christian church is sticking to it or not, Mm -hmm. and whether the things that he preached are still relevant today. Yeah. And how are they relevant today? Yeah. Okay, ten minutes on the clock. So I think we should start with Hester's question. Is this all current? Is this happening now? Or was it all just way back when, relevant to people wearing sandals and robes and beards? Don't
1: forget the white socks.
0: (laughs) And the white socks. It's absolute and continuous. The story, and therefore the message, is absolute and continuous. Light spirit, it never runs out. So we have to keep in mind that this message is always relevant, but it depends on how you're interpreting the message.
1: Yeah, as you change, as your understanding changes. So the appreciation of what these words, what this message is, changes a bit like when you watch a movie over and over again. You know, you watch it once and you're like, oh, and then someone says, oh, let's watch that movie. And you say, oh, I've watched that before. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, my goodness, I didn't see any of that. That's Mm. amazing.
0: Like when you watch it as a kid, let's say The Wizard of Oz, for example. And then (laughs) later on, you watch it again 15 years later and you start to see not only your own experiences, but what the metaphors are. Mm. There's not really a line. There's not really a wicked witch. But what do they these things represent? Yeah,
1: and you actually start pointing fingers at who is the wicked witch in your life. Mm. You know,
0: and how you have been the wicked witch. Oh,
1: absolutely, it's always a, a reflection of you.
0: Yeah. So the Bible is written addressing three aspects of the human experience. There's the literal, there's the psychological, and there's the spiritual. Yeah. Now, when you have the literal, this is what the Christian religion. Would teach the literal interpretation and it's interesting because it's coming through a third person so when they take things literally the stone of something the fact of it it's inevitable that they will look at it historically mm. as if there was a jesus two thousand years ago
1: yeah
0: are they teaching what jesus preached yes they're, they're keeping the words they're keeping the
1: they're reading out the bible
0: they're reading out the bible they're keeping the story alive Mm. But it's more like the scaffolding. What we really want is a bit of meat and two veg.
1: So, uh, what I'm getting, Jenny, is that when you're reading the Bible, when you're in church, this is a literal interpretation rather than a spiritual or psychological interpretation. Mm-hmm. So, you're getting the kind of the first run. Of, of what it is, as you would a, a, as a child. If you're told a story about the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, you really believe there's a lion, a witch and
0: a wardrobe. You're told in it as if it's literal, as if it's true, just so you can keep the story so that later on, when you get to, let's say, the second level, the psychological, mm. when you're reading it as if Jesus is talking directly to you, mm. then you start to see the metaphor. You start to see the allegory the story as told as if it's true. Now you're starting to believe it from almost like Jesus is, is your teacher, your rabbi. Yeah. And then the spiritual is the third level. It's like you're older and more mature now. You yourself are playing the part of Jesus. Yeah. So you are now embodying those teachings. Mm. The Christian religion doesn't teach that because the Christian religion, by taking it literally, means that you can't be Jesus. You Mm. can't experience what Jesus experienced. Mm. But again, we don't want to kind of have in our mind that Jesus is a man. Jesus is a state of mind. It's the awakened imagination. So if you are the awakened imagination, if you experience yourself as an awakened being, Mm. then you understand, let's say, three of the things that we can talk about. turn in the other cheek, the meek shall inherit the earth, and he who has not sinned, cast the first stone.
1: Yeah, From, and of course there's the golden rule.
0: There's the golden rule as well.
1: So one of Jesus' teachings, which I, I really like actually, is he who has not sinned, cast the first stone. Mm. So in other words, if you think you're so great, then you can cast a. First, if you've never done anything wrong, mm. then you can cast the first stone. Mm. And it's that when you're pointing the finger at somebody, and there's three fingers pointing back at you. Mm. So I I really like that. And um, like you were saying, Jenny, there's three levels mm-hmm. of this, isn't there? Yeah. So the first level,
0: is, you think about people actually throwing stones at yeah. you. Yeah. You
1: you're actually imagining, you know, maybe a brick coming your way.
0: It's like that thing of um don't throw stones if you live in glass houses.
1: Yeah, and it is very much. This is your your own glass house, so you're smashing up your own life. This this symbolism of a stone mm. is a fact.
0: So a stone in the metaphor language of the bible means a fact.
1: Yeah. On the highest level this is very righteous. This is the the greatest.
0: So this would be like David throwing So literal th- truth. So when people are throwing stones at you they're saying but this is true. But this is true. Actually, this is true. And you, as a psychological understanding, knows that facts can be changed because mm. facts are not the causation of things. They're not. A fact can become untrue, as yeah. it were. It can dissolve. I was five. I'm no longer five. I was. A, it was a fact when I was five. Now I've changed. As simple as that, facts can change. And the reason they can change is because of you embodying something completely new mm. and if you do it with love and with joie de vie with that joy of life you're doing it as jesus that's what jesus is is teaching you one of the things i hated was the idea that i would have to turn the other cheek mm. just like sorry this person slapped me and you want me to so let they them might have slapped me again
1: they might have cussed you You know, this is the slap. But I always thought of literally somebody slapping
0: me and me just standing there like something out of a key and pill uh, sketch, slapping me again. This is Francis of Assisi, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: This is James and John Mm. who are the two disciples who talk about turning the other cheek. Yeah. And when they talk about turning the other cheek, it's more that this psychological thing, this spiritual um, aspect of it, that you can see that this person is in a bad way. This is why they are doing whatever they're doing to you, to annoy you, for example, to frustrate you, for example. But the James and John, who are the righteous judge and the beloved, they are the people that do not judge by appearances they understand that everybody's in a different state. And some people are in unlovely states and therefore are imprisoned in having to do unlovely things. What do you need to do as that disciple? You need to lift them out of that state and put them somewhere else. That's what turning the other cheek is.
1: And it's about um, not judging after appearances, isn't it? So you're not being influenced by what seems to be happening on the outside. You're just sticking with what you do want.
0: You're turning a blind eye. Mm. Now, we usually think that turning a blind eye is bad. Letting people off
1: the hook, yeah.
0: But if you're doing it with these disciples in mind, then it's a good thing because you're going to lift them out. You're not just leaving the whole matter alone. Mm. And the last one is the meek shall inherit the earth. And we always think of what do you think of when you think of the meek? Oh, well,
1: as a child, I definitely thought meek just as this, these poor, like, beggars or tramps or yeah. just really weak. I was a little bit, I felt like I was a little bit meek at school, you know, I was the one that got bullied. So I thought, oh, that was like, oh, at least i want to know it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. It? Yeah,
0: I thought of, you know, the doormat. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. But the meek, the true translation, again, psychological, you have to go into what is it really? What does a concordance say about this? Mm. The meek is the tamed. Now, again, you think yeah. the tamed is like people who are subservient. No, the taming of the wild animal. So, in other words, your mind, if you can discipline your mind, yeah. you can steer it and focus it on the things that you do, do want. Yeah. And if you can focus it on the things that you do want, you will inherit the things that manifest from you training your imagination, self discipline. This is what I want, and turn away from the things you don't want,
1: yeah, it's a real it's a real it's a real discipline, it's a real practice, isn't it because mm. the mind so much leads you down these habitual routes that you have you know you believe the world is physical, this is where all your thoughts come from, and then you've got this rote way of thinking mm. and you've really got to kind of interrupt that, so I'm mm. really learning the art of interception, mm. you know that you just go, oh, that's. Not what I want. Okay. So it's interesting that you can do that when you're speaking. You just stop that sentence immediately if you start speaking about something that isn't something that you do want. But also, even before that, if you can stop the thought in your mind and transpose it, this is a perfect point
0: of what Jesus was preaching. Yeah. Because after the Sermon on the Mount, which is all in Matthew 5 in the Bible, mm. after he does the Beatitudes, which is, the, you know, the, the meek shall inherit the earth, the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm. He does this list of 8, nine, ten things. Then he talks about, you've heard it said that if you commit adultery, you've committed a sin.
1: Mm.
0: But he says, even if you think, think it, about yeah. it, That is to say, if you even entertain the thought, it's not about will I get caught or not. You shouldn't even be thinking about it. And that's him saying, that's the awareness that it's a psychological. This world is a psychological world. It's happening in your mind. Mm. So just to entertain the idea is going to start to bring these things into fruition on the physical, on the literal level as a fact. Yeah. So really, be careful what you're thinking, which is how we would in modern day say that mm. what Jesus has said to say, "Be careful what you wish for."
1: Yeah, my mum used to say that to me all the time.
0: So entertaining it in your mind is actually more true, and this brings us into the last section of the law
1: of the attraction. How this makes sense?
0: How this makes sense in our how everyday you
1: can practice life? It. Practice it. Yeah. Let's have
0: five minutes on the clock.
1: In my own life, this has become. Or is becoming, if I'm really honest, a new habit, this intercepting. Whenever a thought pops into my head, which if if you're anything like me, thoughts pop into your head all the time, from the sublime to you know, these these thoughts that you don't want. You wouldn't want this to happen to you. Mm. And so it's about just pausing. Just hit the pause button. Mm. And this is a really challenging practice, but a really brilliant practice. And this is reining your mind in. This is reining this this old habit and, and beginning a new habit. You know, I think that that's a huge part of Law of Attraction.
0: And what this character Jesus is doing is basically saying all the time, oh, stop right there. Like mm. you say, pause. Yeah. I'm going to die because... Whenever you're thinking things, you're you're engaging your imagination, which is Jesus. Yeah. Now you don't want to feed him the off wine. You don't want to feed him the sour wine, the sour grapes. Yeah. You want to give him water, which is psychological truth. Yeah. That's the metaphor. Water equals psychological truth. So he says, oh, stop there. I'm going to die. Okay, come back. Think something else. What do you actually want? Yeah. I will. If you entertain that with me, if you entertain me." You're always wanting something wonderful. That's why I'm happy to die for your sins. What does sin mean? Missing the mark. Yeah. So you've got the arrow, the bow and arrow in your hand, yeah, and you want to get that target, but you keep missing. Why do you keep missing? Because you're entertaining things that you don't actually want. Yeah,
1: it's the golden rule. You wouldn't want that to happen to you. You wouldn't want that to happen to you. So why are you thinking about
0: that or thinking about it for other people? And it's
1: a habit. So it's a habit that you're really learning to transpose with something better. You're learning to transpose that with something helpful and something loving.
0: So you can help me with this. I was cycling (laughs) home from college. Yeah. And I was at one section in Wimbledon. I was cycling on the pavement. I know.
1: (laughs) Oh, there you go. You see, (laughs) do I want people doing that to me? No, I don't.
0: This man said to me, you shouldn't be cycling on the pavement, Mm. okay? But this man had just pulled up on a double yellow line at the beginning of a bus lane in rush hour.
1: Mm -mm.
0: So here's me with the splinter in my eye, but this man has got practically an armada ship sticking out of his eye. Yeah. This is that hypocrisy. Yes. Now, what I should have done is been a bit of James and John. Yeah. So I should should have turned the other cheek. Yeah. Okay. And
1: imagine what you did want and be forgiving. Thank you.
0: That is exactly what I should have done. I should have been more forgiving. I think I let him know my feelings at the time. I'm sure. I've got some learning to do with that.
1: And some reimagining.
0: And some reimagining.
1: Yeah, just go through that scene again. What would you say? What would you say to him? Would you say anything to him? Would you just go on your merry way? What what would what would it be? What would
0: James and John do? What would these aspects of mm. my mind, if they were disciplined and they don't go by the appearance of things, they realise, oh, this guy is in a certain state, it's an unlovely state. Let's reimagine it that he's in a lovely state.
1: And um, what I'm hearing you say, Jenny, is that actually you would hear him say something like, oh, aren't we being naughty today?
0: Something like that, yeah. Or he had an old Mercedes and I could have said, nice car. Mm. And he would have said, "Cheers," and that's that's it. That's lovely because he did have a really nice old Mercedes. Mm. So that would have been reimagining the whole thing, and I can actually do that in my mind right now. Yeah, and it drops all the kind of like feeling that I was having and the feeling that he was having at the time, which yeah. you know. And then when you, these two people meet, that's when you get the conflict. Yeah, but if yeah. if one of us drops that then there's no conflict. There's no war.
1: Yeah. You know, don't give yourselves a hard time if you can possibly avoid it. Because if you do make a mistake, this is all learning. It's all an opportunity to practice, which I say to my students on a regular basis. Come to class, make mistakes. It's okay. This is, we're here to practice together. We're here to encourage each other. We're here to learn together. And all those mistakes help other people as well. So we're here sharing some of the mistakes we make, mm-hmm. you know, to help you be kind to yourself, be loving, be helpful to yourself and your brother.
0: We're trying to lift ourselves out of this literal interpretation. Yeah. That was the most important thing that we needed to do. In order to understand what that message is that Jesus is preaching. Yeah. Thank you to the church for keeping the Bible an important part of my life. Yeah. Thank you to my Auntie Joyce for really showing me that somebody can be in love with this story. Mm. But the story needed to, to go up another level. Yeah. Like you got the three levels in the ark, Noah's ark, the literal, the psychological, the spiritual gotta take raise it up from what is being taught by somebody else third person mm. raise it to the psychological where it's as if your teacher is Jesus talking directly to you and therefore evoking in you not describing to you your own story which you are inevitably going to experience as a spiritual being that is to say experience it as if you are Jesus.
1: Yeah, you are the captain of your own ship. You're playing your own role in life. Lovely. And I really got to thank Neville Goddard as well, because before him, I couldn't even look at the Bible or say the word God. I didn't understand that psychologically, and it just seemed such, like, literally gobbledygook to me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. of course, Jesus walked on water. Yeah, all right. You know, fair enough, it's a good story, but I don't... What's that got to do with me?
0: Neville Goddard is probably the only teacher that I'm aware of who gives that psychological understanding 100%. Yeah. Then he talks about his own spiritual experience. Having, just like the rest of us, grown up listening to a literal interpretation.
1: Yeah. And that's it. Wow, already.
0: That's all we've got time for this week.
1: Lovely. Thanks for listening.
0: And we hope to see you on Twitter. And to see your questions in our Conscious copper
1: at Gmail account. C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-F. C U P P A. <laughs>
0: this has been a tasty brew. A slurping good time. And a wonderful brew to wake up to. Hey, Brew Crew, thanks for waiting right to the very end of the show for your African Easter egg, Yuri.
1: Oh, I'm picking by colour today. It's beautiful green and turquoise with a sprinkle of pink. And we've got a saying from N- Namibia. If two men always agree, then there is no need for one of them.
0: Ooh. That's an interesting one, isn't it?
1: Yeah, if two men always agree, then there's no need for one of them.
0: Muse and (laughs) schmooze.
1: See you next time. See you next time.